Just before we open up God's word, um, I want to make a few further comments about um, a prayer initiative that we spoke about last week, 100 Days of Prayer, and I think there is a, a background slide for this. So we're going to be devoting the next 12 Saturdays um, to prayer. This is one of the things that, that we're launching um, today. Each Saturday, beginning this Saturday, the 17th of September, we're going to be opening the prayer room in the halls complex from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., and you will be able to book one-hour slots for that, okay? So you can come on your own um, if you want to just come on your own, or you can come with someone else. Maybe there's someone in your life that you would love to pray with, um, or someone, maybe you have a prayer partner who you really um, join your heart with regularly to pray um, and seek God with, or somebody maybe in your life who needs prayer, you could bring them with you to the prayer room. Maybe you want to bring your whole family. How cool would that be? Um, if you have a family, bring them along and spend an hour together in prayer. Or maybe you want to bring your discipleship community. You want to join as a group and pray together. You could book your entire group in for that, your entire community. Booking sheets um, for the first three Sundays are available on the table in the vestibule. So you can do that physically this morning after the service. So please um, do that. But booking will also go online as well from uh, 4 p.m. this afternoon. So there will be an online booking as well. Links to our booking system will be available um, via the church Facebook page and also through uh, the weekly emails starting next week. So this really is a, a, an initiative focused on the next 100 days where we're, we're going to pray, um, we're going to seek God. We want to unify our hearts as we do that. And so I really hope that you've started to, to pray into what we shared about last week, this, this kind of fresh sense of God at work among us, that there would be a freshness, a fresh move of God, that we would desire holiness and righteousness in a fresh way that God would pour out blessing upon us. Each week, we want you to pray into the life of this church, so please do that. There are lots of activities. You've heard about lots of that already this morning. Pray about those things. Pray about all who will gather, all who will connect with the life of Carmoney Church. But this is more than that. This is more than us just praying for activities. This is about the posture of our hearts in this season that we're calling fresh. We want the laser focus of these next, not just 100 days, but, but, but the days and the months and the years that are to come. We want the laser focus of our prayers to be about that move of the Spirit, a fresh desire for God's holiness, righteousness amongst us, and an outpouring of God's blessing. Each week, I want our prayers to focus around, I think I have another slide on this, um, I want our prayers to focus around a particular passage of Scripture. So here's one for this week. And this will be posted up on social media as well. Um, so this week, I want us to really think about Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 14. You're probably familiar with verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But what about verses 12 to 14? where it says this, God says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, 
declares the Lord. And so this week, I want that to form the, the kind of meditations of our heart as a church family around that, that little portion of Scripture. Um, so pray about that in your families. Pray about it individually. Pray about that when you come uh, and engage in the prayer room on Saturday. As we come to God's Word, let me just pray again. And then I know that's a lot of announcements, but you're ready for God's Word to be opened, aren't you? Yeah, we're ready for that. Okay, let me pray. Um, and then we're going to open up um, God's Word. Father, we do pray that in this fresh season, O oh Lord, this would be a season when we call on you and as we pray to you, as we seek you, God, that our experience as individuals and as a whole church family will be that we find you, that you will present yourself powerfully amongst us in all of your glorious fullness. Lord, grant us the desire and, and the, the drive to seek you, knowing that when we do, we find you. And now, Lord, as we come to your word, we ask that spirit of the living God, you would take the word of God and make the word of God come alive in the hearts of the people of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you keep your Bible open if you have it there at Ezekiel 37, and we'll come to that in a moment or two. The, the story of an African missionary couple has been on my heart again this week. Um, they lived in stifling conditions, maybe a little bit um, like this image. Um, they lived in a place where the, it was really hot, and they had a house with a veranda, um, and they spoke of the, the importance of discovering on which side of their home the breeze was blowing, the wind was blowing. And when they discovered where the wind was, um, they, they moved their chairs and they sat on that side of the veranda. They placed their chairs there and in the stifling heat, they enjoyed the, the invigorating winds um, of the African savannah. They sighed with joy and the movement of the air was invigorating for them. And as we begin three weeks on fresh wind, I want us to posture our hearts towards where the wind is blowing, that we would be listening, that we would be aware of what God is doing in our individual lives and in the life of this church, that we would seek the Lord and that we would understand that when we seek him, we will find him that we would position ourselves to hear from God, to know a deeper sense of his presence with us in our lives and in the life of this church. Last week, we began this series called Fresh. I hope you're excited about it. Um, I hope you sense what God is gonna speak to us as we go through this. And as we venture deeper with God, we're praying for these three specific things that move of the Spirit, that desire for holiness and that blessing from God to fall upon us and the community around us in incredible ways. This morning, we're back in Ezekiel. And by the way, I don't preach on Ezekiel every Sunday. It's just kind of happening like this. But we're back in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a really interesting book, by the way. Um, really, really interesting book. It comes with some hazard warnings as well because really the book of Ezekiel will change your life. The stuff that's in the book of Ezekiel is unbelievably transformational. 
Um, we're back in Ezekiel. It can, it's a book that contains a really interesting sequence of events as well. We see um, the fall of, of, the, of Jerusalem and, uh, and the destruction of the temple. And we see God's judgment upon the, the nations. And then at the end, the last section in the book of Ezekiel um, is a revelation of promised hope. And promised hope again for the people of God. Promised hope for the nations and promised hope for the entire world. You'll be glad to hear that we're in this section of hope. This morning, promised hope. Last week, we were in chapter 47, where we followed Ezekiel, if you remember, into the deep waters of God's living presence, the waters that flowed from the temple. And we thought about this, how um, where the river flows, everything will live again. The waters of God's spirit when God moves, when the Spirit of God touches people's lives, those people will come to life. When the Spirit of God touches communities, those communities will live. Real life will come. Well, today we're going backwards 10 chapters into chapter 37, um, and we're given a similar, a similar insight into what happens when the Spirit of the living God moves but unlike last week, this picture in Ezekiel 37, the first thing that God shows Ezekiel is not overly pleasant. It's not this beautiful picture of, of, of a living stream flowing from the temple of God. See, the prophet is brought to a valley. And that valley is essentially a boneyard. It's a dark place. All he can see is, is the shattered remains of God's people. It's a place of, of decay and death. It's a grim setting of old, dried-up bones. And we're told in this passage that the dried bones represent the exiled people of God who had had their hope all but wiped out. Their hope has been almost entirely extinguished. Now, please, um, this morning, as we think about this valley of, of dry bones, I don't want you to think for one moment that I'm referring to any of you as like old, dried-up bones Okay, now, maybe in the morning you wake up and you get out of bed and you feel like, uh, you pretty much feel like a corpse, old dried up bones. Um, but I am not saying that, that we are um, that valley of dried up bones. But what I do think is really important, and listen to this, I think this is vitally important that we get this. I think it's important that, that before we're reminded of the magnitude of the life-giving power of the Spirit of God. Before we are reminded of that, I think it's important that, that we first go and see a place of death like this because it reminds us of how glorious and transformational the power of God really is. So follow with me in Ezekiel 37. The question that comes in verse three is this, can these bones live? You know, he's looking at this boneyard and, and the question is asked, can these bones live? I think the obvious answer is, of course they can't. I mean, dead bones can't come back to life again. That, that is just not normal. That cannot happen. Can these bones live? Well, I really doubt it. But what Ezekiel does is he turns his attention to heaven. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it, that that's his response that's the impulse of the heart of the prophet. He turns his attention to heaven. And Ezekiel says this, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. 
can these bones live? Sovereign Lord, you alone know. I wonder in your life if you find yourself asking a similar question. Lord God, can these bones live? Can my broken life live again? Can my broken family live again? My broken relationship live again? Can the dead bones come to life? Ezekiel shows us that the most important thing we can do is to turn to God. You alone know, sovereign God, you know. You are here. You are with me. He turns his attention to heaven. And what we see as Ezekiel's vision unfolds, there's this two-stage process of prophecy. Um, Follow the passage in front of you. Here's the first thing that we see. We see that stage one, God says, prophesy to the bones. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy, to speak to the bones, and to say to them, imagine speaking to bones. That's what he's told to do. And God says, tell the bones this. He says, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Dead bones, you will come to life. And so Ezekiel here is told to speak to the bones. He's told to to declare the word of the Lord to these dry bones. Some people even suggest that he's preaching to the bones. Um, The prince of preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, actually suggests that. He says, this is Ezekiel preaching. So Spurgeon says it's true, it must be true. Um, He's preaching to the bones. He declares the word of the Lord to these dry bones. And as Ezekiel does that, there's this sound of of the rattling of bones. Can you you picture that in your mind's eye? Picture that in, in um, in your mind right now. There's this sound of the rattling of bones as the bones come together, tendons and flesh appear on them, skin appears on them. It's an absolutely amazing scene. But really importantly, I think it's vital that we notice something. This is only a partial restoration work on these dry bones. It's only a partial job. The skeletal structure is together, but the bones are still just as dead. There is no life in them. And so stage two, we see this in verses nine to 10. God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, not to the bones, but to the breath. Say to the breath, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. And Ezekiel does just that. He appeals to the breath of God. And these corpses come to life. They stand up on their feet, a vast army. You see bones, I see an army. An army of people come together. Breath enters their being. They come to life. So I think it's really important that that we just pause at this moment and take note of two really important things that we see here. Firstly, we see the importance of the word of God. The dry bones and come together when the word of God is spoken. Tendons and flesh appear on them. The word of God does that. The word brings life, doesn't it? We believe that. The word of God not only contains life, but the word of God imparts life. The word of God works. 
The word goes to work. The word of God doesn't come back empty. It contains life. The word of God is sharp. The word of God penetrates to the deepest parts of our being. But the effect of hearing the word of God alone is limited. We can see that in this moment. These bones, although now all joined together, are still dead. And that's until Ezekiel cries out to the breath of God. It's a prayer for the life-giving spirit of God to come, to breathe life into the bones. The Hebrew word, you might be familiar with this. This is when I try to make myself sound really, really like clever. Um, I'm not really. Um, but the word for breath here is the word ruah. That's what we're hearing about here. And the word ruah, when it appears in the Bible, it speaks of, of breath, the breath of God. It speaks of the wind of God. And it speaks of the spirit of God. It's the same word just used interchangeably, the breath of God, the wind, wind of God, the spirit of God, this wonderful action of God is the ruah. Verse six, God says, I will put breath, ruah, in you and you will come to life. Verse nine, God says, prophesy to the wind, ruah, same thing. Come from the four winds, the four ruah. Oh, breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Verse 14, God says, I will put my spirit, my ruah in you and you will live. The wind, the breath, the spirit of God. It's a really, really important word in the Bible. It first appears actually in Genesis 1 verse 2. The spirit of God, the ruah Elohim was hovering over the waters. It's the Spirit of God that can make life come out of nothing. Spirit of God that can, can, can breathe and out of nothing comes something. Out of nothing comes this created world that we live in. It's a word that's used almost 400 times in the Old Testament, really, really important. The corresponding word in the New Testament in the Greek language is pneuma and it speaks of the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's all over the book of Acts. The activity of the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God. Um, and at its root, it just means air and motion, but it speaks of the power of God that takes effect in this world. And so when we piece this all together, I think it's really important that we see this combination in Ezekiel 37 of the Word of God and the Spirit of God that brings life. And this is really important in my life and in my ministry. I view this as really, really important. The word of God and the spirit of God that bring life. Those things in conjunction working together, the word spoken, the wind blowing, and God makes things come to life. You might have noticed it in my little liturgy before I preach. Spirit of God, take the word of God and make the word of God come alive in the hearts of the people of God. That's what I pray every time I approach God's word. In a little book called Truth on Fire, pastor and author Adam Ramsey talks about the role of good theology, um, truth of God, but he talks about, about how the truth of God ought to set our hearts on fire for God, that we ought to experience the presence of God as his word is declared the importance of churches having a really high view of the Holy Scriptures and a really high view of the Holy Spirit. 
that we would be that kind of people. You see, there is explosive power when the Word of God and the Spirit of God are joined in unison. And Ezekiel 37 really helps us to see this. When the people of God are postured towards the Word of God and the wind of God, incredible things happen. When the people of God are postured towards the Word of God and the wind of God, incredible things happen. I'm going to call this the the, the resulting revelation of God Because we see this in this passage in verse 6, we read that when the word is spoken, when the wind of God comes, verse 6 tells us this. God says, then you will know that I am the Lord. You will know. You will see that I am God. Verse 13, then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. Then verse 14, you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. You see, the word speaks, the wind blows, and God is made known. The word is spoken, the spirit moves, and God is made known. There's a revelation of the presence of God. God is here. That's really my heart for when we gather, as we open up the word, as we seek the spirit's leading, that God would make himself known, that it would be really tangible. In fact, I hope that you can sense that even in this very moment. That God is here. The presence of God is here. I mean, come on, isn't this what we live for? Isn't this what we live for? We live for the presence of God. We live to know God and make him known. We live to experience his goodness and to live that out in our lives. We live for the fame and the glory of God. That's why we're here. That's what we live for. We want people to look at our lives and we want people to look at the life of this church and we want the people to say, that must be God. That's a move of God. It's a move of the Spirit of God. Look at what's happening in that place and through those people. Only God could do that. Dead things are coming to life. This community is being transformed. Something powerful is at work. We want people to come to us and say, so you're you're telling me, you're telling me that you you were dead, spiritually dead, but now you're alive. I can see that. I can see that that is who you are. Or or you're telling me that that you were crushed by anxiety. You were deep in depression. You were at the very end of all hope. But, But God, God spoke. Spirit of God moved in your life. And you started to experience healing and restoration, the power of the Spirit of God upon you. Or or you're telling me that your marriage was broken, but God stepped in. That your family was torn apart, but God worked. That new life came. That things happened. That hope flooded back in. You're telling me that this life is available to me. Hey, what a, what a time for Alpha. Get the word out there. Invite people. There is more to life than this. Don't we believe that? Goodness me. The world is broken. The world is broken. People are struggling. This winter, I believe, is going to be really, really hard. We believe that God is here. We believe that there is more to life 
than just this. We began looking at the valley of death here in Ezekiel 37. And as we, as we approach the table, we're going to come in a moment's time to share in the Lord's Supper. But as we approach this table, I want to remind all of us that this new life that we speak about, that we live for, is only made available through the Son of God, through Jesus Christ. I, I want to remind all of us that as we come to the table that Jesus went he went to death's dark valley for us. He went to that dry valley, to Calvary's hill, so that our dead, dry bones might live. He did that for us as he breathed out his last. So we breathe in the full inhalation of what it means. Those words of Jesus, it is finished. The work is done. I have paid it all for you. Satan, sin, and death have been defeated. Amen? They have been defeated. Satan, sin, and death are defeated. In John chapter 3, Jesus encounters Nicodemus in the middle of the night, as you do. The inquisitive Pharisee Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He asks the brilliant question to Jesus, how can someone be born again whenever they're old? How is that possible, Jesus? Listen to this, John 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Then Jesus said, You must not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. And then Jesus says this, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is, Jesus says, with everyone born of the Spirit of God. And so we pray, fresh wind blow. Spirit of God blow. Blow into those sitting here, not yet followers of Jesus. And I know that you're here blow into their lives and make them come to spiritual life today. We pray fresh wind of the Spirit of God blow through this place. When we come in here to worship you, may we sense the invigorating presence of the wind of God, the breath of God, the Spirit of God. May it freshen our faith Fresh wind of God blow. And like the missionaries who deliberately placed their chairs where the breeze was blowing, let us right now in this moment, let's position our chairs. You can't move your pew, but you can position your heart. Let's position our heart. Let's place the chair of our heart where the wind of the Spirit is blowing. That means we place our heart towards the Lord Jesus. So let's pause for a moment as we prepare to share in communion together in a few moments' time. And in the stillness we pray, come Holy Spirit. Come breath of God. Come wind from heaven.